0: If I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. I do not have the stallion with me today. He's somewhere in a van down by a river in a national park. Instead, for this podcast intro, I've brought my beautiful wife, who will not come on camera, but is here in audio and spirit. Thank you for coming on the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me. This is exciting.
0: One of the reasons I wanted you on the podcast, because we were very open, Joey and I, maybe to a fault, say way too much. Uh, thankfully, our audience can't tell you all the stuff that we talked about. You have to go back and listen to your right, own right. episodes in order to know all the stuff we talk about. But sometimes we're sharing things that are amazing that happen in our lives. And sometimes we're sharing things. It's like, okay, that was not perfect. And I want to share something with the audience. And we're not going to go way down the rabbit hole here. um, But there's some lessons to be learned. And I think it's some interesting commentary. So by the way, if you're only interested in today's episode, go ahead and fast forward about five to six minutes. Just it's going to take this long to get through the story. (laughs) But for those of you who like uh, train wrecks and and you like to watch, you know, um, someone else's life falling apart and people melting (laughs) down everywhere, this story has every bit. This is train, planes, and automobiles. Okay, so let's set the stage. We've been planning a trip to Kauai for the last, what, year and a half?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, And we're heading there, uh, yet I have left you. To uh, pack the kids, do all this stuff on your own, because I went to the Land Geek boot camp.
1: Right. Yes. It, conveniently, he's out of town for like the major get ready for it stuff. He was going to meet me when we were already in paradise and everything had been done. But, you know, he couldn't he couldn't manage to get on that same. OK, they, they don't want
0: to hear you talking <laughs> like that. They've they got to think <laughs> I'm like amazing. You can't you can't you can't throw a fly uh, <laughs> fly in my armor here. OK. All right. So I, I'm in Vegas. Yes. I, I'm there for this boot camp you're getting the kids ready and there's some things that we have to do in order to go to hawaii
1: so hawaii actually makes you get a a negative COVID test prior to arrival in hawaii and it's like like, yeah it's like this little window so you have to get the test and get the results before you get there and it's only the 72 hour window so so we, we get get the appointment. You have to get online and get the appointment and have all the kids there. And we did the nasal swabs. And so we were all good. Got a, got all of our stuff in and felt ready to go.
0: You get on your flight because yeah. your tests still aren't there.
1: Yeah, the test doesn't come Saturday like we kind of assumed it would. And then we roll into Sunday, but it's like, well, I mean, you know, we got a little time, we got a little leeway. Well,
0: because you're leaving from Birmingham, you got to go to Atlanta, then you fly all the way to LA. I mean, it's like eight hours. Like, surely we're going to get the test results right. back before we get there.
1: Right. Well, because that's the allotted amount of time. I mean, those labs are you have to choose different ones so that that way you're, you know, they know the hours you you have. So we we get to Atlanta and start to panic a little bit, start calling around, you know, can we figure out where this lab is? When am I going to get the results? I get, yeah, it's going to, it's going to work out. You're going to get your results. No worries. Get on the flight, get to LA and LA. Um, we had a, we had a 50 minute layover in LA and you get off the plane and it's under construction. So they've been prepping you all during that. End, end of the flight time that it's going to be kind of dicey.
0: So you got 50 minutes and you're like trying to get off the plane. And is it in the same terminal? Like, are you oh, at least of course the-
1: not? No. So we, we Russ has us booked with the chairs all the way in the back of the plane. <laughs> so we have to wait for the entire plane to vacate before we can get off. And then they shuttle you to this bus that has to take you to the next oh terminal. Oh my gosh. So we get on this bus, which is just an, an event in itself. And we all sit down and I look over and there is my sweet eight-year-old child who has forgotten his bag with his most important lovey things in it
0: oh, no. on
1: the plane, the, the previous plane.
0: <laughs> Are you freaking out at this moment? Oh, that was
1: awful. That was probably, that, that may have been my low for that day. I mean, it was just terrible. And,
0: I, and by the way, just so you know, I'm getting texts the whole time. We've lost Ryan's bag with his tiger and his blanket. Uh, we've got like 30 more minutes before the flight leaves and the test results still have it.
1: Yeah, passed. I'm giving him his to-do list. I'm like, okay, I need you to solve this and solve this and solve this.
0: <laughs> no, no, no big deal. Yeah. I, I,
1: I know. Call the Hawaiian <laughs> government. Did these M- things need to make to-do. it
0: happen? And so h- here we are. We got 30 minutes to try to figure out what do we do? Do we get on the plane? Do we fly to L El- did we go ahead and fly to Hawaii? Hope the test results come in the meantime. Do we just punt on flying?
1: And to put this in perspective, you know, when you're flying on a plane, 30 minutes is while they're boarding the plane. So we walk to the terminal and I go to tell the man, he's like, hold on a minute. I gotta start boarding. Oh my goodness. So I'm I'm like. You know, yeah, the, we've, it, the panic button has been hit it, it,
0: you, you've got the like the jeopardy music in right. the background just do 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 I mean, you can't think like it's just like, what am I gonna do? And here I am, like thinking of you being in l a, right? like, what are my alternatives? Do I tell you to punt, go, you know, um go, go find it. a hotel? Right. And then yeah. we we find a, a place to go take a test tomorrow
1: because the set, my test results would be invalid because the window would be gone. Yeah, because if you, you
0: the wait the next day, you you got to go get a whole new right. test. And I'm looking online, and the only place you can look online to actually see if there's a reservation available is one site, CDS, and the only time they have is like three days out.
1: Oh no.
0: Yeah, and you I don't did, know if I even you t- did
1: not <laughs> tell me that. No, I,
0: I get that from you. <laughs> I'm like, look at now. Didn't mean like all the other places, which you know there are other right, places right. you can go to, but I don't know. Like I can't because it, it's late in the afternoon and I don't have time to just start picking up phones and calling. <laughs> I'm just trying to do what I can right there on the phone, right there on the website. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, what are you going like, to... And then I'm trying to figure out like you with four kids navigating LA, like you got to get an Uber, you got to go find a... Then we have to find a hotel for you to go to. Then you got to like get take an Uber to go to whatever the, the testing site yeah, is. And the guy and we,
1: said, my bags are gone. Like, you're not getting your bags tonight
0: in LA. <laughs> that's like, right. Like, So no.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure... That's be fine, yeah.
0: Like, you're gonna like haul the kids to <laughs> some hotel that we're gonna have to book on the spot. Then you're gonna have to, I mean, I'm just like panicking, like, how is all this gonna work? And while if I was there, I think maybe I probably would have done that, but I, I just did not want you in LA, so I'm like, okay, Meg, just just go get on the plane, go get on the plane, go get on the plane,
1: yeah. So we got on the plane,
0: and, and now, now I'm starting to do research and I'm looking online and I see I read this blog, and this blog is like, hey here's what happened. Um, we uh, we flew over there and my test results didn't come back. My husband's did come back. And I just had to stay in the hotel for like 21 hours until my test results came in. And then I had to upload them. I called somebody and I was free to go. And I was like, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Don't worry about it, Meg. You're going to be fine. Your test results are going to come in. You know, worst case scenario, you have to stay in the hotel for, you know, half the day. And so I went ahead and called the hotel. I want to you know let them know, hey, here's what's gonna happen. you know, it's possible that my wife's test results and kids' test results haven't come in because I went while I was in Las Vegas, I went on Saturday morning and by like Sunday morning I already had the test results back, you know, negative, good to go. So I called the hotel and they're like, uh, yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. If she shows up at the airport, she is not going to be able to come out of quarantine for 10 days.
1: No matter what,
0: no matter what. And I'm like, uh, no, that can't be true. So I call the Hawaiian government. <laughs> I I'm calling everybody. I can call, I call, call the Hawaiian government and I'm like, this sure, this surely can't be the case. Like, there's no way that doesn't make any sense. And, um, they're like, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm like, but if, if she has the test results, the same test that she took, that if she had the results in her hand would have proved that she was uh, negative. She she's going to have the same test; it's just going to come later. It doesn't make her any less, you know, negative in the future. Right. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. Like that's that's the governor's rules. And so you show up at the at the airport,
1: and they enforce those rules.
0: Your test uh, results didn't show up. Uh, no,
1: they didn't. That was really sad. And we you wait in this long line, and then they take you to. You know, one at a time you have to go show this lady your papers oh my and we did not have them and you know she goes through the whole thing that we're going to be quarantined for the entirety of our trip um she, she was nice but but firm in her in her standing
0: so you get to the hotel what happens at the hotel
1: so we get to the hotel we, we take a cab from the airport get to the hotel and uh and the, the guy starts to come over for the bags and he's he's called back and then he comes back out and he's gloved up so so I guess they must have warned him that we were like you know
0: possibly this this group has got the COVID I
1: don't don't know what he thought the gloves were going to do but he's then going to get our bags and take them in and we get shuttled over to the lady and and she was super nice I mean that you know everybody we ran into was was really nice and she uh, took us to our, to our room. And as she's closing the door, she's like, okay, just so you know, you know, we had gone with my parents. She said, if they try to come into your room or you try to leave the room, I will be forced to call the police.
0: So this is like a little point. I think maybe you might've missed what she said there. I want to bring this out. She took you to the room, not like, Hey, I'm going to carry your bags up. Like some nice hotels do. I'm going to take you to the room for what purpose?
1: Yeah. To, to lock me in
0: because she, you don't have a key.
1: Right. I mean, now I can open the door, but I could not leave.
0: Should they, but they didn't give you a, a key to your hotel room no. because you can't leave the hotel room. Right. So you're a prisoner of a hotel room. Yes. That is, it, like, you hear Megan talking about this. I would have freaked out. Like, I would have just... <laughs> been berserk
1: you couldn't be though because we got the we've got the kids so you've gotta pretend like this is all an adventure you know I mean you're sitting in the airport with the lady telling you you're never gonna leave the hotel room I've got a I've got a child crying over there I'm like this is just gonna be so fun though we're gonna make it fun and it's you know it's neat we're still here you're like you're playing Mary
0: get... Poppins on this thing <laughs>
1: right you're trying to put the best spin on it you could
0: okay so i'm like okay we're obviously not going to stay in prison in a hotel room right. for 9 days that doesn't make sense i cancel my flight and we reschedule your flight the next day you fly out so you guys woke up at what time to get to the airport the original time
1: it was to, like we we were on the road to get to the airport by at 6:30 a.m.
0: and you arrived in hawaii at like seven hawaii time right. which is really like midnight our time
1: yeah whatever time it was so we, we took showers and we're everybody was so distracted. it's like
0: an 18 hour track to get to hawaii we lose ryan's bag with his worst. with the, his baby items still haven't found those yet you get there told that you're going to be in prison to your hotel room yeah and we've We get you a flight out the next day at 9 p.m., which which is really interesting because it was
1: 945,
0: 945 the next night. Right. And they kick you out of the hotel, like
1: like 3 a.m. Well,
0: because you're not going to stay in the hotel for the night. So they go ahead and say, yeah, by the way, checkouts at 12.
1: Yeah. But we we worked her out (laughs) where she gave us an extra two hours.
0: Oh, so you get an extra two hours. Now (laughs) go sit up at the airport for seven hours. Right. Before you make an 18-hour trek back home,
1: right? I mean, our, our teenage daughter was like, "Hold up! If if they're letting us leave, can we leave hit the beach before we go to the before we go to the airport?" And you're like, "I mean, that makes all the rational sense in the world, but since we haven't hit rationality yet with any other thing, like I see us going to the beach and then getting hauled off to prison."
0: Yeah, so. you got like what, what was that like Vince Vaughn movie, like lost in paradise or something like that, where they were like arrested in some foreign country yeah. and you're like, I don't want to be right. taken down on this deal.
1: I did not want to.
0: So you fly all the way home. So like literally you spent probably 40 to 50 hours in, in, um, airports or, uh, on flights and you spent a total of like maybe nine hours like in Hawaii itself. Oh
1: yeah. That was terrible.
0: So it, this is this is one of those moments where <laughs> I, I hope you never have to experience this. So if you know anybody who's flying to Hawaii and is dealing with this, here's a lesson. One, um, that you could get a rapid COVID test is what we learned after the fact.
1: It does not say that on the website. It, so, didn't.
0: it didn't say so that. That's We were that's told concerning. like you could have done that inside LAX.
1: Yes. Now that, that's the key. I would, I would definitely do it in LAX because you know that that that's what they, they do that all day long. So, so I would do that for sure. And just so that anybody out there is wondering, all of our tests came back when we left the, the hotel at two o'clock, I started getting the dings in my, in my mailbox that all of our tests came back and we, we do not have COVID or we did not. <laughs> during our, and, during and, our you,
0: and you went and show that to know. the people back at the airport and they're like I don't care
1: yeah did not care not one bit so all
0: right well thanks for listening to our episode I mean our intro it seemed like an episode thank you Megan for sharing and let's jump in right now to this episode where we discuss where does disability insurance fall into the financial freedom formula
2: Russ Morgan, and Joey Muray. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we want to take one step closer to financial freedom. I am sitting around a smaller virtual roundtable, but nonetheless, the handsome is still here. We might be a couple Southern draws short, but I have no doubt we have got the handsome covered. I am downtown Ernie Brown, and I'm going to be driving the ship today. And around the virtual table, I've got some of the best financial minds in the industry. Today, we have Mr. Incredible himself, the man with the million-dollar smile. And I don't know if you've been looking at how much money has been printed. That's That value of the smile might be going down <laughs> a little faster than we wanted to. But J.D. Hill is here with us. How are you,
0: J.D.?
3: Ernie, I am uh, I'm doing really well, Uh, although now I'm getting a little depressed because I didn't think that the value of my smile would ever go down. But apparently it is. Um, And you're right. We do have the handsome cover. That's for sure.
2: I I could not agree more. And by the way, I'm totally open to you put in a grill on that face. We can keep those things just as valuable as they were.
3: Well, you know, a uh, small story on that, when I was in uh, high school, I did have a fake grill um, that I bought from the mall. Uh, I had a grill with the Air Jordan logo on it. Yes,
2: man. And you were able to wear that to your school in class?
3: Well, I mean, I wore it. I don't know if I was able to, to, to wear it, <laughs> but I definitely wore it. That's for sure. Not around my mom, though, because she, she did not like it.
2: Hey, hey! Fun, fun, fun fact of the day: You get more than you came here for. If you're listening to this, fun facts with JD. On the other side of the virtual roundtable is our man who likes to get you to your destination on time, and if the tower allows for it, maybe a little early. This is our resident pilot, the man between two ferns, Mark the Gooch Haraguchi. What's up, Mark? Just another day. This is great. You know, I'm
4: nothing is getting to destination on time is fantastic. People love that. But everyone likes getting there a little bit quicker. And I think that that's the whole reason we're having these discussions. Right. What little bit of tailwind, what little bit of a shortcut, what opportunity can we find to help accelerate that move to that destination that we want to get to?
2: I love it. I love it. Uh, I want to come back to that, but I can't. I can't resist. As a, I want to know. Just take me inside the cockpit. When you guys give an arrival time, are you are you just adding a couple minutes to that and telling people that we're going to be early? Is on time really? Is early really on time?
4: You want to undersell and over deliver. I knew I knew it. I knew it. Well, okay. If you, if you grew up in my house, if you're on time, you're late.
2: Hey, same, same here, man. Okay. But back to what you're talking about. We do want to get to financial freedom as fast as possible. And we want to play offense as much as possible, but not always. We got to pick up the, we got to put on the glove and play on the defensive side of the ball sometimes because getting the financial freedom is great. Not getting there could almost be worse. So today, we're talking about where does disability insurance fall into the financial freedom formula? And actually, this, this topic came from one of our community members. Asked that in the community. And it's actually not the first time that we've heard this question. So we thought we would revisit it. Before we talk about specifically maybe DI, playing defense and protecting, That that's not the only thing. A disability is not the only thing that can keep you from from staying on track to becoming financially free. So, Mark, what what would be one thing, two things, three things? What comes to mind are things that could take you off track of getting to financial freedom? One of the common ones that
4: happens right as we're beginning can very well be analysis paralysis. You're just so worried and there's so much that we don't know that we just take all this time to just continue to analyze and analyze. And at some point it can cause paralysis and now we've delayed that movement
2: forward. Hmm. Yeah, that is great. Is there, is there a particular type of person who would be more susceptible to that? I'm just, I'm not all, not all people are the same. So I'm just curious. Yeah.
4: When you go through your investor DNA, that's going to help you see kind of how you are viewing, uh, investing opportunities what kind of lens are you using and that could be an opportunity for you to recognize hey Maybe I do have a little bit of this analysis paralysis at times. I'm not saying it's always a bad thing We just need to recognize what's happening And there are some people who are ready to jump in two feet first other people who want to just dip a toe in And other people who want to stand back and watch everyone else make the jump and then find out if it's going to work
2: Yeah Uh, I agree I was meeting with a guy a couple of days ago and we were, we were looking at his investor DNA. He's the same profile as me. I'm a contemplator. (laughs) And I asked that question because man, I, I agree. I I will research something to death. In fact, I'm trying to buy some, I gotta buy some soccer cleats. My ones from eight years ago finally broke and man, it's like, it's like I'm buying a, a house trying to I'm um, put some too too much time in it is my tired of it so i think that's valid some other guys if if you're if you're like a russ and your quick start goes to an 11 you might not struggle so much with that mark to the other side of your point but that that could definitely take you off track jd what do you think what's what is something a couple of things that could take you off track of becoming financially free
3: um yeah i think this is a really good question and often one that goes um under discussed and not really talked about that often. And what comes to mind for me is is a few things. One is dying too soon. Right. Just especially if you're a primary breadwinner. Right. If 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 you if you die before you know you're anticipating um, and you die too soon, then then that's something that can absolutely derail your family from from being on track to achieving financial freedom. So uh, my wife stays at home. I've got three boys she has the hardest job in the world of, of raising three kids and taking care of a family. And if, if I died and that income stopped, right, our vision of financial freedom potentially could die there. Uh, and so dying too soon is one. The next is becoming too sick or injured and unable to work. And I think this one really is, is really under discussed and talked about, which is the, the genesis of, of this particular topic. Um, but if, if my income stops, for whatever reason, and I'm still alive, like that is a big uh-oh, right? That is something that can absolutely derail not just your journey to financial freedom, but also your quality of life.
0: Yeah, that, yeah that, I think you're absolutely right. I just read this comment. It was so drawing, Joy. I wanted to share it. I realized that my time is not really mine. It's my company's. Now I have to stop negotiating my time for money and I need to start working to become financially free. That's exactly how I felt when my daughter Adler asked me on the way to school, Dad, can you pick me up from school today? And I had to say, no, baby, I have to go to work. That's where I drew the line. In order for you to be clear on the things you need to do and stop doing and to know who you need to become so that you can stop trading time for money, join us right now at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Now, let's get back to this episode. So,
2: JD, just how do, you, how do you protect against those things? Because nobody's guaranteed you tomorrow, and nobody's guaranteed that when you leave here, you're not going to fall into a ditch and become unable to, to record. You know, you might bust out all those teeth. You might That's right. bust those things out. So, how do you protect against that?
3: Uh, Well, I have insurance on my teeth. Uh, No, that's not true. I don't have insurance on my teeth. (laughs) Um, Well, the first is, you know, because we are IBC practitioners, we've got more life insurance than candidly my family probably would want or need. Um, So that side's taken care of. But the other is, I personally have long-term disability insurance. And I think this is, like I said before, wildly important for the person who isn't financially free is owning Long-term disability insurance,
2: hmm. and just uh, uh, to me that that sounds logical. But the, for you, you you haven't had a a DI event where you've where you've received that benefit,
3: have you? Fortunately, no, I haven't. Um, and the interesting thing about disability insurance is a couple of things. The 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 first thing, right? Like Mark or Ernie, power to ask you, like when most people think about a disability generally the first thing that comes to mind is an accident right i break my leg skiing uh, i tear my acl playing soccer right ernie right but it's it's usually some sorts of of an injury that prevents you from being able to work for a limited period of time and what a lot of people don't realize is that 90% the staggering statistic 90% of all long term disabilities are from an illness not from an accident so the majority of people that are suffering from a long term disability is not because you know, they got hit by something, or, or or they got injured. It's because of some sort of an illness, and it could be something as simple as a migraine. I've never had migraines, but I know people who have, and they're absolutely debilitating. Well, that is something that could potentially be classified as a disability that prevents you from being able to work and earn an income. That, if long-term disability was in place before that illness uh, became an issue, you could receive benefits from a long-term disability claim and still have a quality of life and, and keep you on track for financial freedom
2: yeah no i think uh, when you say an illness i I think of this it was it was late last year we had a client call our office and she she had started uh, down the down the pathway of of creating great income and wanted to use her cash flow in a meaningful way she working in a, a great career she uh, started down the pathway of infinite banking. She supplemented that with some, with some disability insurance and she started taking her cash and she was uh, uh, buying these really old historic homes in her, uh, she lived in a, in a really rural part of uh, her state and was was renovating and flipping these homes in, in essence. And in the midst of, of her working and raising a family and flipping these homes, was diagnosed with, with cancer mm. and that was obviously a really, uh, we did not, we were very sad to hear that uh, from her, but fortunately her disability coverage was able to kick in. She was able to turn on that monthly benefit and that protected her family because you own multiple properties. Uh, if you if you've got a note on that, you got to make the payment, and you got to yeah. put food on the table, and you got to make sure that you're able to get yourself to treatment. And um, fortunately, she's she's doing well uh, thus far, uh, but that that would have protected her income. JD, you were sharing with me a, another just practical example. Somebody who did need to use that.
3: Yeah. So when I first started my career um, in this uh, industry. Um, this was something that we really focused on pretty heavily and grateful that, that we did. There was, um, a gal that I actually went to college with. I was helping her. She's a teacher and, uh, she'd had some, some pretty tough health challenges and it prevented her from being able to, to teach for an extended period of time. I think it was about, uh, eight to 10 months where she couldn't work. And because of the planning that we did, um, with having, um, access to cash right? To offset some of that, that, that shortage of income until her disability policy kicked in. And then once that kicked in, it really preserved her and her family's standard of living. Uh, they didn't have to move. They were able to still pay their bills. They were able to still do the things that they were doing before, buy groceries. There wasn't much of a massive financial stress that would ordinarily have been in place, right? Without that uh, disability coverage um, having been there to protect during that particular instance.
2: That's powerful. Uh, so there, there's obviously playing defense. Keep preserve your standard of living. Yeah. Keep everything going. Mark, is there is there an instance where where someone would not need disability coverage?
4: That is a good question because I'm as as I'm listening to this and and to be perfectly honest with everyone, as this topic came up, my mind kind of struggled with well well how does this actually really fit? You know how is this going to fit in? Are we assuming I'm still a W-2 or a 1099? Are we assuming I'm, I'm now just doing pure passive income? So if, if we go back to what is the entire crux of financial freedom? Passive income, greater than monthly expenses. So if I have an event that happens, if I'm a W-2, does this make perfect sense to, to, to cover that loss of income? if I've already achieved financial freedom, does this still fit in? Or is is this something that I'm only using for a specific period of time and I'm done with it?
3: Yeah. I think if I could just interject, on, I think it's a phenomenal question. Um, and and there's a lot of different ways you can go with that. For me, I look at it from the perspective, look if if you're not financially free yet, then yes, disability insurance is is something that I think should be discussed because if my passive income does not exceed my monthly expenses and I'm not financially free and something were to happen to me that prevented my income, active income from still coming in, which is being used to create financial freedom, then that derails the whole plan. Mm-hmm. Right? So having something in there to protect that is is so valuable and important. And so again, it's it's financial freedom is the having the ability to choose, right? That's really what we're we're offering here. What we're after is is having the ability to choose what I do with my life because I am financially free. And so, whether you're a W two employee or a 1099 or an entrepreneur, the unique thing about disability insurance is that a lot of it is all based on the definition of disability that you're buying, right? So, Mark, to give you an example, um, if if I'm a physician. Right. And, and I uh, am a neurosurgeon, right. Say I cut brains open, not brains, but I cut heads open right now and I operate on brains. I get paid the majority of, of what I do because I can cut. Right. Well, if I get a tremor in my hand, I can no longer cut. Right. And so in that instance, that would be a definition. That would be something that would di- preclude me from being able to work. Right. That I would be able to file a claim to get disability insurance for that. Right. On, on the other end of the spectrum. Mark, if you're a business owner and um, you you manage the day-to-day operations of the business, okay, well, the the definitions of disability is basically going to be anything that prevents you from being able to do the principal duties of your primary occupation. So even though you're a business owner, or even if you're an employee, it's anything that would prevent you from being able to do the principal duties of your primary occupation. And so if the majority of your work that generates an income, Mark, is say, typing on a computer, and all of a sudden, all your fingers get chopped off, and now you can't... I'm i am being—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating here, right? But, but something like that happens, and now you can't type on a computer, but everything else is still cognitively there. Well, the, the primary things that, that you get paid to do in that, occup- in, in that, that, that career you'd be considered disabled because you can't do it anymore to generate an income. So it doesn't just exist to employees. It exists to contract laborers. It exists to entrepreneurs. It exists to highly skilled professions like physicians and attorneys and, and, and CPAs. Uh, this this covers really any facet of business so long as it's not something that is like a railroad, railroad worker, for example, that's highly blue collar and, and the, 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 there's a high likelihood of becoming you know disabled, if that makes sense. So
4: this, this part right here was really interesting when we were, we were talking about this earlier. So I'm an airline pilot by trade. I go and get disability insurance to go fly airplanes. But now I transition into my financial freedom phase. And I just say, for argument's sake, I now switch professions. I leave the cockpit and now I'm doing something else does my disability insurance change? Because I we, we got it under the position of flying an airplane, which I know a lot of people think we don't work, but you know, pushing button, it can can be challenging at times, <laughs> uh, you know, don't be a hater. Uh, <laughs> but now if if I were to switch roles and let's say I got into full-time real estate, would that disability insurance carry over? Because the primary purpose of that was to cover me being able to fly an airplane, but now I'm not flying airplanes anymore.
3: Yeah. That's again, another awesome question. Every carrier is going to be a little unique and different in, in what their definition of disability is. So it's important that, you know, one, you're with a really good carrier and two, you understand what the definition of disability is. Um, because in any type of insurance, I believe personally, like insurance companies want to pay claims. Like they're not in the business to not pay claims, right? But we have to understand what we're buying and what we're buying is a contract. And, and so as long as the definition of disability, we understand what it is, that would absolutely transfer Overmark to you to now becoming a full-time uh, real estate investor. And so what they're going to look at is now based on what you do on a day-to-day basis as a full-time real estate investor, right? what are the principal duties of that occupation? And did it, some accident or illness take place that prevented you from being able to operate that business and lose, I think I think it's up to 80% of your income. And if so, then, then yes, you're absolutely covered and you would be able to receive benefits from under that disability policy. In fact, I've seen this happen before, not where there's a claim made, but at least where you go from a highly skilled profession, white collar, say an attorney, and move over into more of a blue collar type profession. Well, the benefit of doing that is that disability policy under a white collar profession is going to be a lot less expensive. And the definition is going to be a lot more favorable. All of that's going to carry over now into this other occupation because it transfers with you. It's portable. So there's a lot of value and benefit in actually getting it under different circumstances or at least where you are, knowing that whenever you change, it can go with you.
4: So let's take that one step further. So Ernie, now for for you, so we've got the same scenario. I got the disability insurance at my current W-2. I transition out. Now I'm a full-time real estate person. But if I achieve a disability, how am I supposed to pay my premium? Of your, of your DI policy? My, of my DI policy. How, how like, how, how am I, can I protect myself from that? Because we, we've clearly said I'm disabled now. I'm unable to, to perform the function of my new career path. How am I going to keep this DI policy in, in force?
2: Well, that is exactly why you had the DI policy. If you, Congratulations, Achieve a Disability. Great <laughs> I mean,
3: achievement. It's
2: taken, it's taken care of for you. It's why you bought the thing in the first place.
3: Yeah. So once you go on claim for disability, premiums are waived. So you're no longer responsible for making premium payments once you're on claim for, for a disability. Perfect. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, that's a really good question. Now here's something else to consider too, because a lot of people don't realize this. Uh, I, I don't think is... Um, there's always a backstop. right? So there's actually a state-funded, government-funded disability program called Social Security. right? So even if you didn't have a long-term individual disability policy or one through your employer, Social Security is a backstop for benefits. However, what I will tell you, if anybody's ever dealt with a Social Security office or a government entity, it's not easy to deal with. In fact, I think some 75% of all social security disability claims initially get denied. Right? Like, it's, 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 a, it's such a staggering high, high number. Um, and so I, I think that's something else also to, to, to consider as well is, again, there are backstops there. Not necessarily saying you have to go out and buy disability insurance, but I do think it's something to at least engage in the conversation for sure
2: if that if that's your if that if that's your backstop jd other <laughs> <That's laughs> right. other backstops what would be maybe some alternatives than relying on on that system cuz this is all about getting yourself in a position to be able to choose so what are other things this is this is a tool this is insurance to cover something yeah. other ways that we could cover this we could buy that tool in the event that happens we've talked about this before we can self insure and two ways we can do that, we can have a pile of cash ready to consume in the event that we need a monthly benefit, or we can achieve financial freedom. And if, if uh, Mark, going back to your point, if you're an airline pilot and you've got income streams on the side, you enter in your financial freedom phase, I, I like the way you say that, and you've got cash flows that are coming in that you're not able to fly an airplane, but if you're able to to check your email to or, or go to your get somebody to go to your mailbox to get that check out, <laughs> then you've covered yourself. Those would be two other backstops, uh, in addition to Social Security, in addition to disability insurance that that can help.
3: Real quick, we had a, a question come in that says, so "As a passive income investor, right, is disability insurance needed?" I
2: think right there you have to evaluate what is the definition of passive? How passive is that activity? And so one, one more thing, disability insurance is to cover your, 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 your family's expenses. It replaces your income. A passive income investor could be a passive partner in a business. And that business requires production. It requires revenue to cover the costs of that business. So in that scenario, and if you're depending on other people to produce for you, again, you need to either have a pile of cash in the business, additional revenue sources, or you may need uh DI uh, coverage on, on the people producing in the business in the instance that they became disabled and a benefit could be paid to cover the overhead of the business. So just one more thought to, as you say that, it makes me think of that, J.D.
3: Yeah, that's good. You know something else too is um, some disability policies will only cover active income, right? And and so that they actually won't insure for passive income, you know. So so that's something else to consider as well yeah, as it relates to that particular question. As a passive income investor, is DI needed, possibly, right? And, and maybe not. Um, and, and so I think most disability policies generally are going to cover active income, right? It's it's activities that you're actively engaged in that are that are creating active income versus passive income. Um, And so again, which goes perfectly into just the whole notion of financial freedom. That's where my passive income exceeds my expenses on a monthly basis.
2: So what you're saying there, JD, is if it covers your active income, which is really you need enough active income to cover your monthly expenses, you can one, go build enough passive income streams that cover your monthly expenses or become financially free. Or you could buy some disability insurance and go become disabled and become financially free. Is that based upon what you're saying there? Is that is that true?
3: Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> so maybe the fastest way to become financially free would be to go buy one of those policies and go cut your fingers off.
3: And go poke your eyes out. That's right. Which is interesting, by the way, for those of y'all that are considering that, you actually get with most policies an enhancement of your benefit if you lose sight in both eyes, hearing, or loss of two limbs. One arm, one leg, both legs, two arms, right? They'll actually pay you 50% more of your monthly benefit if, if you're in a catastrophic event. Uh, so, so, so to Ernie's points, if, if he gets lucky, right? And he has a disability policy and, and uh, he, he pokes his eyes out or whatever, he's going to get an extra 50% benefit uh, on, on his policy. So, so um, congratulations, Ernie.
2: And I might even get a a bonus bonus there, triple Jeopardy. I might I might get that. if I might have to put all four eyeballs out to go. That's right. <laughs> get more.
3: That's right. That's all right, right. So
2: summarize our options here. We got Social Security. You yeah. Can, you can cut your arm off. That's you can right. Disability insurance, or you can become financially free.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go with the latter. Yeah but before the latter happens you got to have some protection in the interim which is again that's why i own it right i'm am I'm, I'm a believer in it i own it you know it is something that i believe in and here's the other thing too as we kind of um, um kind of land the plane here uh, mark in, in in your language right is there's so many different ways that you can buy disability insurance that you don't have to spend a tremendous amount of money right like you don't have to spend a lot of money to protect a, a little bit of income meaning if the the average disability I think is like two to three years is how long the average disability lasts. So you don't have to buy a policy that lasts age sixty five or age seventy. You can buy a policy that has a five or so year benefit period. Meaning, if once we understand how these things work and we understand what levers control the premiums, just like in car insurance, the bigger the deductible, the lower the premium because that's less risk to the insurance company. It's the same thing with disability policies. The bigger the benefit period, the longer the benefit period, the bigger the benefit pool. The more expensive the policy is going to become. It's so like, I think my policy is a 10 year benefit. So I only have it. So if I did become disabled, I would need to, within 10 years, go back to work. Right. But it, it's, it's again, it's a stopgap. It's not meant to be something that I live off of. Right. Uh, so again, you don't have to buy a really expensive policy. There are ways to get them for very inexpensive, just to give you something. So, you know, God forbid something did happen, I can at least still have a chance to achieve my dream of financial freedom.
2: Brilliant. It makes me think. This conversation just makes me think, we're playing a little bit of defense today. How do we protect what we want to get to? How do we protect our earned income right now? When you see what's going on, you will know what to do. Yeah. I think this conversation is so valuable because we don't want to keep anything from hindering our ability to become financially free.
3: Yeah.
2: I think this conversation just adds one more tool in the belt.
3: So we have a a quick question that I want to answer uh, before we kind of round, the uh, um, again, um, finish off this this episode here is, if someone is leveraging disability insurance, could that deter them from getting an IBC policy on themselves? And so I think the question is, if somebody's on claim for disability, right, and they're, they're receiving benefits from a disability insurance policy, could that deter them from getting an IBC policy? So here's the thing. Disability insurance, insurance companies are underwriting for what's called morbidity, Life insurance, you're being underwritten for what's called mortality. One is they're looking at you dying too soon. The other is they're looking at is if you break early, right? Or if you break at all. So they're generally connected, but they're not... There, there's some overlap, but they're not too, too connected. So, so for example, if you have... And again, I don't know. I'm not an actuary. I'm just giving a, a basic example here. If, if you have migraines and those migraines are what is, per, is, is why you're on claim, I don't necessarily know if migraines play a role in mortality long term. I don't know, but in other words, there is still an opportunity for you still to be underwritten for life insurance while on claim for disability insurance because those two things don't necessarily have to be connected, right? So I think that's a really good question. Um, and again, if you're on disability, because again, I've had people that are on disability claim from like the VA, right? And so they're receiving disability benefits from the VA, and they we absolutely get them underwritten at the best rates, no problems, no questions asked. So, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't let that be a reason why we don't apply to still get IBC policy. That's a great question.
2: Yeah, that, that is good. I'm sure we're going to have more questions The people in our inner circle listening to this. So we need to, we need to give them the opportunity to participate. So we're going yeah. to hop off here. If you're listening to this and you're not yet in our inner circle, here, here is one more opportunity for you. You can join by going to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle and participate in this conversation by the way not just once a week you hear this once a week we have this conversation twice a week in our community and we want to be available as coaches to help you get one step closer to yeah. financial freedom so appreciate you listening to this we will talk to you next week have an amazing day this has been the wealth without wall street podcast don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.